Hey, this is the Nobody Likes Casey McLean podcast. Please check out my stand-up dates at thecaseymcclain.com. Also, follow me on all social media at thecaseymcclain. Check out stand-up clips and videos of mine at youtube.com slash McLean. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is where I host this podcast. It's where the file sits. It's also a great place if you want to start a podcast where you can record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When you're hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast to all the listening platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Whatever you're listening to this podcast on, you can get your podcast to that platform very easily. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hello and welcome to the Nobody Likes Casey McLean podcast. This is Casey McLean. Uh, today's episode, solo episode, I tried to get a guest. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know what's... Podcasting is tough. It's going to keep getting harder because now everyone's busy, right? Like everyone in the pandemic, it was very easy to book guests. And I didn't even do it very well then, but it was much easier because everyone was at home. So if you want to do a remote interview... Very easy to get someone. I tried, kind of, a little bit to get a guest. Didn't happen. Uh, I don't know. Maybe this is what podcasting is now. Maybe that's what this podcast is. It's just me talking to you. We'll see. Uh, please come out and see me do stand-up, by the way. I will be at Four Horsemen Brewing this Sunday, if you're listening to this when it comes out. Um, I am also... Where am I going to be at after that? In uh, August... 13th and 14th i will be opening for bobcat goldthwaite at spokane comedy club and then what september 5th or something like that i'm with gabriel rutledge at some location who fucking knows um i think i have some other cool dates coming up i don't have any you know uh i don't have a bunch of headlining stuff coming up do i have any headlining left on my calendar i don't know if i do or not I want to go headline more shit. I headlined seven shows in June, a couple shows in July. You know, as it turns out, headlining, pretty fun. Being able to do 45 minutes, pretty fun. I suppose this is why comedians aspire to be headliners, is uh, because it's pretty fun and profitable to be a headliner. Anyway, um, I think the last time I talked on this podcast, I didn't get too deep into into the Phoenix trip that I did. Phoenix was very fun. I stayed with my pal, Josh Firestein. Did I talk about, hmm. this was the extent of our trip. Uh, I showed up. Oh, I think I talked, it was uh, Thomas Nichols. I just ended it at, he arrived, Josh arrived because it ended my conversation with Thomas Nichols. Last week's guest. So Josh Firestein, my pal, Josh Firestein arrives we go out. He, By the way, Josh did this thing. This is how fucking hot Phoenix was. Josh rented a car, which I thought was silly because we had, like, it basically, if he and I had split Ubers, it would have cost us a combined a lot less money. Uh, the fact that he rented a car didn't even really make us that m much more mobile. But he rents this car, it's, and then, then he gets upgraded I'll let him tell the story, but he gets upgraded to a Jeep, uh, upgraded with an insult to go along with it. He gets upgraded to this Jeep and he takes the top off and we're going to, we take this trip to uh, a taco stand. What's that place called? 
Don Nico's in Phoenix, Arizona. Check that out. Great uh, tacos El Pastor. But pork El Pastor? Whatever. El Pastor. Very, very good. So Josh rents this Jeep. He takes the top off. We're driving to Don Nico's. And I'm in the car and I'm like, he takes the top off and he's got the fucking air conditioning blasting. I feel like an old man. I'm like, this is a waste of AC. And it's not even working. The AC is like, can't keep up with the heat that's coming in from the top being down. And then we got out of the car and it was like, oh fuck, the AC was making a huge difference. I didn't realize how goddamn hot it was. I forgot how goddamn hot it was. In the brief time that I was, I was riding in the car, I forgot how hot it was. And we had that same experience. We went to a Diamondbacks game. By the way, the Diamondbacks stadium, Chase Field has these amazing seats that I've never seen at another stadium. I, this feels like I could be repeating this completely, by the way. But the stadium has these seats that are... So they it looks like they've moved the right field fence in, is what it, what it seems like. Yeah, right field fence in. And they have this like flat concrete area. And I've never seen this at another baseball stadium, but it's like right field is now a chain link fence. And you can sit in that concrete area. There's like... There's like bolted down seats, but like the seat that I had was actually, he was like, ah, I got to pull you over a, uh, by the way, I love ushers at baseball games. This is something I've missed is because ushers at baseball games, they think they're like old mobsters, especially in Phoenix. We go to this guy and we're like, Hey, uh, we have this seat. It's in section right field wall. And one guy was like, never heard of it. I'm giving him an Italian accent. Then we go up to this old guy and we're like, he was probably you know, here for the founding of Phoenix, Arizona. He's 150 years old. And we're like, where is, uh, where is right field wall? Where is the section right field wall? And he goes, all right, this is what you, I think he did have an Italian accent. I'm going to do a very bad Italian accent. He goes, all right, this is what you do. You're going to go here. You're going to take a right. You're going to walk all the way down. When you're on flat concrete, take a left, talk to Frankie. Frankie will tell you where to sit. Frankie's a real person. That was, I actually didn't think that was a bad, Italian accent. I will say that. I thought I didn't overdo it, right? Wasn't a cartoonish Italian. It was like uh, an Italian that grew up in an Irish neighborhood and lost a lot of the accent. That's what I think. Um, So we go talk to Frankie and one of the things that happens is, uh, so Frankie brings us over a folding chair, which is just funny. It's very funny for him to be like, yeah, your assigned seat is a folding chair that I have to bring over. It's very comfortable, and they're very unique seats uh, because you're sitting at literally the field level. Like, if you had long enough fingers, you could reach through this chain link and touch the warning track. I'm staring at Jason Hayward's ass the whole game. Pretty good ass, I got to say, for a baseball player. (laughs) You'd get – the problem is you would get – if you had them all season, if you had season tickets in those seats – the chain link fence, you're like, it's like an optical illusion. You're constantly trying to figure out where to focus. If it was plexiglass, you'd be fine. So we're sitting in these seats and I'm like, this stadium, which is like partially outdoors, the air conditioning is not working. And then you take one step outside the front door and you're like, fuck, please let me back in that AC. It's miserable out here. And then, so the first night of comedy was great. Uh, we went to this bar after I went with Josh. Josh, by the way, Josh Firestein, my friend, is from 
Ugh. As I get older, I'm burping a lot more. And I've heard that's a bad sign for... Uh... I'm slurping, by the way, so that the audio... This is um. This is the most hipster thing I've I've drank in my life, I think. It is... What's the brand? It is Mina Tea. It is rooibos tea that's been lightly brewed and is sparkling. Uncaffeinated, zero calories. This podcast is brought to you by Mina Tea. Uh, so the first night, very fun, fun uh, comedy show. Josh is from, or he grew, he went to high school in Yuma, Arizona. And so a bunch of his friends from high school live close by. So they come to the show and they're great. They're fun. We go to this bar called, come on, come on, something to do with a bird. It's a brewery and it's like a rooftop bar. And I, and I'm like, it's literally, I show up and I'm like, I hope I'm not in the place where this loud music is playing because I'm 35 years old. I don't, every time I encounter music at this age, I'm just like, this needs to be turned down like 20%. No matter how loud it is, everyone else has their music too loud for me. So I'm, uh, of course, the music is exactly where I'm supposed to go. It's like a cover band playing like a Weezer cover, a Weezer cover, a cake cover or something like that at the time. I show up, it's this rooftop bar and it's full of just like, this is a Arizona, Phoenix apparently is like a college town and it's like, this is a college bar, very obviously. And I show up and one of the guys from Josh's friend group dating, uh, dating like a past classmate of his is buying shots of Patron and I show up at the bar. <laughs> And he's like, oh, can I get another shot? So I show up just in time to get a shot of Patron. I want to make it clear. I don't even like shots, but I took the shot because I'm a, I'm a gentleman. Um, what I did not realize is that I was about to pay this bar, this brewery. It's a brewery also their own beer. The thing that they have the best margins on probably in the whole place outside of maybe booze outside of like high end booze. Uh, 11 bucks, 11 bucks for a pipe. This is the thing. Everything about this bar bothers me. It's, um, it's loud. It's outdoors. There's like misters. So everyone's just like wet. I got my merch and my comedy. <laughs> I forgot about this. And my comedy merch with me with like my camera in the bag. It's a pretty waterproof bag. I wasn't worried about it, but it's like my, my uh, suitcase that has all my merch in is just like, like dripping wet. I'm dripping wet. I'm also sweating. It's hard to tell where the sweat stops and the mist begins. I'm, uh, I, I don't have a buzz yet, but I will like when you drink, you sweat. I think, I think that's true for most people. It's also oddly, I had to go to Phoenix, Arizona to find my first ever co-ed bathroom. I've never been, this is how I know it's a college, a college bar is I'm not saying a gender-neutral bathroom, by the way. That's something different. What I'm saying is you walk into where the bathrooms are, and there's five stalls. It's all whatever. Whoever wants to go in goes in. Everybody's washing up at the same spot. So you could very easily be shitting next to a woman. And listen, I know it's old-fashioned, but I'm a gentleman, and I don't like to make women smell my shit. Uh 
And then you, you also like, like bathrooms are not like a lot of dudes don't like talking in the bathroom anyway. I'm fine with it. I'll talk in the bathroom, but I come out and I've like just recently pissed and these like drunk ladies are talking to me about astrology and ask, they're asking me questions like, I think astrology is real. And it's also like we, as a, as a comic, you get pretty good at this, I think. Especially when you're a boring married dad comic like myself. You start to detect, like, am I being hit on right now? And I understand that uh, if you're watching this on camera, I may not look like a guy that gets hit on a lot. But I will occasionally, after a comedy show, get hit on. And I got the, my, the, the sensor was, I'm not saying we were like, uh, you know, on a Richter scale of being hit on. We weren't like, like cracking the foundations of historic buildings, but, uh, we were feeling it, you know, the building was shaking a little bit. So I had to get out, you know, got to get out of this conversation. I, uh, I have a very, I have a very strict no flirting policy. I don't think it goes anywhere. This is my, uh, this is my most Republican trait is I do not flirt with women when I'm doing comedy on the road. I come back out by the way, like I like Josh's friends fine, but it's definitely a different experience for me to be drinking with someone's high school friends than for them to be drinking with their own high school friends. So I really start tying one on so that I have fun. We get back to the the Airbnb. By the way, I think we got booked on a we accidentally got uh booked on a corporate gig with one of his high school friends. We'll see if that ever happens. Um Tucson, Arizona, baby, we're coming. Josh and I co headlining. Uh we had a had a I did end up having fun and I did enjoy the company, but um, we get back to the Airbnb. I cooked uh brats and just kept drinking. So I wake up at <laughs> the funny thing too is Josh and I had like a, a debate about whether or not we are alcoholics <laughs> until three in the morning drinking and eating brats. And then I woke up and I had this, um, I decided that I wasn't going to chug a bunch of water before I went to bed. I don't, I didn't have any ibuprofen. Wasn't going to chug any water because I've never done this before, but as a, um, in an Airbnb, I've never done this before, but ever for me, a couple times, like every couple years, every three to five years, I will drink too much along with too much water and wake up in just a pool of my own piss. I've never done it at an Airbnb. But I got to keep that rating up, baby. So I was like, I'm going to have a headache in the morning. I know I'm going to have a headache. I'm not going to pound 48 ounces of water before I go to bed. So I woke up horrible headache and realized, well, I don't feel great either. Like when you go with, if you fall asleep drunk at 3 a.m. after eating three bratwursts, uh, your stomach's not going to feel great. So my stomach doesn't feel great. Horrible headache. No ibuprofen. So I'm like, I just got to sleep until this headache is gone. Basically, I'm going to try to consume. And finally, Josh was like, hey, dude, uh, I'm awake and I've been out. Do you like need anything? And I'm like, please, could you bring me ibuprofen? He brings me ibuprofen. He brings me uh, what? what's that called? Uh, Pedialyte. He brings me Pedialyte. 
I've, I get up to just the minimum requirements to be able to leave the house. And then we decide, and I'm so glad that Josh uh, pushed me to do it. But that's when we decided to go to the baseball game. And it was very fun. Very cool to see another stadium. Uh, Phoenix, the, the Chase Fields uh, food choices, garbage. Your food sucks. It's cafeteria food. Your food sucks. I paid $15 for a white claw for like a tall white claw. Cause I needed to like, yes, I got myself the Pedialyte and the ibuprofen got me to the minimum level needed to be able to get out of bed, but I was still pretty bad. I was still in pretty rough shape. So, uh, drank the PD or I, uh, drank the white claw felt a lot better. Oh, the other cool thing about those, uh, those right field, um, right field wall seats, you have your own private bathroom. It's like a staff bathroom, but you're allowed to use it if you have those seats. So it's pretty cool. Um, okay. So anyway, we had, we had the show that night. That was fun. And, uh, stir crazy comedy club. Pretty cool. Very, very, uh, a lot of nice touches. I think I talked about it on the last podcast, so I'm not going to go in too far. I'm going to try to make it back out to Phoenix in the winter sometime. It'll be fun. But now I want to talk about some sports stuff. Uh, I want to talk about some sports stuff. I guess what I will talk about first is, what should I talk about first? I think I made my last order of the merch shirts that I've been selling for like the last three years. Um, I have now, I have... As of right now, I have 202 shirts of these. I sell two shirts on the road. Combined, I have 202 shirts. And then I ordered, I was a little bit out of out of whack on sizes for the, I have a dog shirt and a cat shirt that I sell. I was a little bit out of whack on sizes. So I ordered some more mediums of the cat shirt. And that's it. I think that's going to be it. I think I'm done selling those shirts. So if you, if you have seen me do stand up and you want one of those shirts, you better fucking get one because they are limited edition at this point. Maybe what I'll end up doing ultimately is putting them up on like, um, one of those like Teespring or whatever sites that fuck you completely. But then I don't have to hold any shirts. I don't have to have my wife be mad that there's an extra box in the guest room. And I'll have new shirts after that, but I'm going to try to sell out of sell as many of those shirts as I can because, um, boy, do I need to. So come out and buy one of those shirts. And let me know if you listen to this podcast and you want a shirt. We can figure out a, a way to, to get you to a show, uh, ship it to you maybe, something. Let me know. Um, okay. The other, I'm going to talk about one more serious thing. COVID related. I thought we were done with this topic. Uh, this Delta variant is a big topic of discussion. I've spent a lot of time in the pandemic looking at data around, uh, COVID-19. I spent, I mean, I was obsessed with it at the beginning. It was like the, the probably led to some, (laughs) some mental health struggles is just staring at this data for most of the first couple months. Uh, I would just go to, I mean, like I would not go to bed. I would just stay awake analyzing the data because there was a lot of data available. And at some point I realized 
this whole thing was so depressing. The data was so bad. And I stopped looking at it. And then I've kind of gone in and out. And I just recently, one of the things that I was waiting for is as vaccinations increased and overall immunity nationwide increased, you would have expected the case fatality rate, which you can find if you're interested in the data at ourworldindata.org.com, something like that. Go to the COVID-19 Data Explorer, and it's one of the options. It's one of the dropdowns. You would have expected, as time went on, for the case fatality rate to drop. Some of that's going to be mitigated by the fact that right now, a large, a larger portion than before, obviously, of people who are getting COVID-19 are not vaccinated. So those people don't have the same protection as vaccinated people. So you would expect that at some point... There would be the majority of people who were getting COVID-19 had been vaccinated. And so I think they've done a really bad job of explaining how the vaccine works. But this 96% efficacy against the previous two, whatever, all that shit means, as I understand it, by the way, not an epidemiologist, but the way I understand it is it reduces your chance of getting COVID-19 by 96%. And then it's so close to preventing serious illness and death that they basically say your chances of serious illness and death are functionally zero. Um, hospitalization and death. Now, there have been some deaths. There have been some some vaccinated people who died. I mean, but we're in the, like, low hundreds, I believe. It sounded like it was from Philadelphia there. And... So first off, I guess this is like a weird thing. I feel like an anomaly politically a lot because I got the vaccine as quickly as I could. I got it. I got my first shot in March. I was one of those people who I didn't skip the line, but I was trying to find out like where, where can I get like a dose that's not going to be used for somebody else? One that they're going to have to throw away. And I did that. I did that, and it, it worked out. And I got the Moderna. Um, I don't care. I, don't, I honestly, my preference would have been the Johnson and Johnson to get one shot and be done. And I, I mean, even like the. <clears throat> so this is my opinion: is data comforts me, and I'm aware that like there's been pauses on the Johnson and Johnson, and I'm aware that these are like unprecedented ramp up times for vaccines. And yeah, it's a little scary. Like I'm aware of that. I got the vaccine because I wanted it and I don't regret it, but we've done such a bad job of communicating this to people that we've made it political. We fucking made we, the, the one thing we shouldn't have made political, we made political. It's now this, this we've moralized it we've done all the shit we did with all the rest of this that caused us to fucking fail and i have empathy for people that don't want to get the vaccine we've allowed getting the vaccine and we've allowed the vaccine itself to become so politicized that like yeah if you don't want it i mean for me it's like my whole family's vaccinated we can live something close to normal lives now Um, 
we're at a point with the vaccine being available that anyone that wants to get it and is eligible can get it. So like, not to say that I don't feel bad or that I think it's just fine for those people to die because that's a bad position to be in. Also, I just think we, I mean, now there's choice, right? Now there's, everybody wants personal, not everyone. I actually, I don't think this is true, but like libertarians, for example, they want personal liberty and they're taking their own personal liberty at this point. We ha- we're not infringing on people's personal liberty to uh, lead a fruitful life. And they're now taking mostly their own risk. It's now mostly at their own risk. So it's different now. And the numbers are rising with this uh, Delta variant. The the case numbers, they're still way, by the way, they're way below where they were uh, in the winter. And the the positivity, the test positivity rate is way below. But I think that, uh, I think they've, first off, there's like, as it's rising, the case fatality rate's dropping which means that very likely what's happening, we've always had this data struggle with this because at the beginning, the case fatality rate was heavily influenced by the fact that we had limited testing. So the people that got it, they were very sure had it, but very certainly there were hundreds of thousands of people who had maybe millions who had COVID-19 and were not, they never got tested positive. They never tested positive because when they got it, there weren't, enough tests available. And now what we're doing is blending this unvaccinated population and vaccinated population who are contracting COVID-19. So as the population of people who get COVID-19 become people with some form of immunity, either antibodies from a past infection or this vaccine, I think we're going to continue to see the case fatality rate drop. And it has. It's down around 1% now. It had been, it's floated, by the way, the cumulative case fatality rate's around 2%. But it's plummeting right now. And if it keeps plummeting, that's the deal. We're, we're not getting rid of this thing, very likely. But if we make it less deadly, and we make it less likely to, to if we make it the flu, it's not the flu. I understand it's not the flu. But if we make it the flu, statistically we make it the flu, we got to go live our lives. Um. Okay, let's talk about sports, though, after that serious shit. The Cleveland, the Cleveland baseball team, formerly known or presently still known as the Cleveland Indians, um... They're changing their name to the Cleveland Guardians, which is, I hate the name the Seattle Kraken. I hate it so much. I think it's such a bad name for a sports franchise. Um, That makes Guardians, Guardians makes Seattle Kraken look like the Yankees. Guardians is so dumb. The only thing I like about the Guardians is that it seems, unless it's somehow going to get tied to the stupid Guardians of the Galaxy franchise, it makes it, it's like not marketable. It's like, I don't understand where the name comes from, why it's significant. I think it's stupid. Uh, 
But good, I guess. I mean, I'm happy the Native American names are going away. I've said this on many podcasts, but one of the things that you always hear about, like the Washington football team's previous name, is that they'd be like, well, only 10% of Native Americans find it offensive. Well, how many, what percentage of Native Americans do you think find Mariners offensive or Yankees offensive or, well, maybe Yankees? The way as sensitive as we are and as uh, as rooted in whatever bullshit our history that the term Yankee has, maybe some, maybe some do. But yeah, ten percent's a pretty high number to be offended by the the mascot of a. That's not that's not insignificant. The fact that we treat that like it's like, oh well, that means that it doesn't. Nobody should care. It's so dumb. Um. So good on them, I guess. Good. I mean, I think it's a dumb name. It's a very bad name. The Guardian is a dumb name, but better than better than continuing to stubbornly trudge forward with this name that offends some astronomically higher than normal percentage of Native Americans. Uh, Naomi Osaka got ousted from the Olympics. Simone Biles dropped out of the Olympics. The U.S. men's basketball team is struggling. The, uh, what do you call it? The, the women's softball team got beat in the finals and we have there is some the olympics are like an interesting opportunity for kind of just accepted american exceptionalism and we expect our sports teams no matter if you are the biggest socialist in the country we want our sports teams to be supreme and so i mean if you like sports I'm generalizing, of course. This is the world we live in. I feel like I'm I'm facing, if anybody listens to this fucking podcast, if this is the moment that Casey McClain breaks out, I'm like, fuck, is, what's Seth Simons going to write about me? I kind of think, so people have praised Naomi Osaka for being honest and vulnerable about her mental health issues. Simone Biles cited mental health issues. <clears throat> the you know the NBA has been there's been a little bit of a renaissance in the NBA around being forthright and honest about mental health issues. Um, I don't know a lot about USA women's softball to know if how many are going to therapy or whatever, how many women are going to therapy on that team, but. I kind of wonder, first off, let's just say this. I'm going to start with this. Uh, and I'm sure if this, if, if somehow this became the thing that gave me notoriety in a bad way, this part would get left out anyway. But it's good. It's good that people are getting... We should be able to just analyze this on its own. It's good that people are caring about their mental health. And it's a good example for kids and adults alike. It does kind of feel like part of the thing that gave the United States the United States their edge was this like toxic warrior mentality. We may not be seeing the fall of Rome, but I do think we're seeing the fall of US sports on a national scale potentially. All right, lastly, <clears throat> the Mariners the Mariners traded Kendall Graveman 
They're, I think he's been a closer for part of the year, not for part of the year, maybe injured for part of the year. They traded Kendall Graveman and Rafael Montero, who they had previously designated for assignment, to the Houston Astros for Joe Smith and Abraham Toro. And people are mad because people love Graveman. And there's a, there's reports already that the players on the Mariners are mad about Kendall Graveman being traded. We've made Kendall Graveman this cause. He's a generic. I like the trade. I want to start with that. I like the trade. Kendall Graveman is a generic reliever. Joe Smith is a generic reliever. Their projections for the rest of the year are basically the same. I think Joe Smith is, uh, is a guy that faces mostly lefties. So maybe his numbers will look a better, look a little better. But functionally, these guys on this team serve the same role. Rafael Montero, they had already designated for assignment. He's gone. So it's Kendall Graveman for Joe Smith, who is roughly his equal, in my opinion, and Abraham Toro. Abraham Toro is a guy who has a ton of physical tools. He's a switch-hitting corner infielder. However, I will say this, his uh, baseball savant sprint speed puts him in the upper half of Major League Baseball. So maybe this is a guy that in the offseason the Mariners could train to play outfield, switch hitter, uh, has crushed in the minors. He's only 24 years old. This is a guy who might be your starting third baseman next year. He's a guy who might be a starting outfielder at some point. This is not a nobody. It's kind of like he's kind of like what like a classic quad A player. People are already pointing to this being like a chemistry disruptor. This is going to ruin the team. This is the deal about this Mariners team. This Mariners team is not a good team. They've been out uh, coming into today. They've been outscored by 49 runs. They are a bad team. Their Pythagorean win-loss record would be like 45 and 56. This is a bad team who has gotten lucky on randomness. Now, you get to keep those wins. They're what, I think they're 55 and 46 as I say this. You get to keep those wins. So, if you can make the team better and avoid what seems like an inevitable second half slide for this baseball team. You might be able to sneak into the playoffs even though you're a bad team. Make moves. They've made a move today that to me seems like basically a neutral move. Now, maybe Kendall Graveman goes to Houston. He picks up uh, you know, a can of pine tar and a or a fucking rosin bag and sunscreen, whatever the new version of that is, becomes a world beating reliever. Maybe. Maybe Rafael, Rafael Montero feels like has already been in Houston. Maybe he was in Texas, but I, he was a, a top prospect-ish kind of guy. Maybe he increases his spin rate, starts cheating, starts, you know, banging trash cans and rubbing, banging, banging trash cans. Sounds like he's going to go have sex with some uh, some uh, women of ill repute. Maybe. Maybe Houston still has the magic touch when it comes to pitchers. But what I think is more likely is that this move has almost zero impact on the Mariners in 2021. This isn't a good team. And so if what it means is for basically trading nothing from this year, you get a potential, you get a, a lottery ticket at a starter for next year, not even a lottery ticket, right? Like this guy's, there's a decent chance he's going to be an okay big leaguer. Maybe with some coaching, whatever. He's got physical tools, speed and power. And in the minors, 
He's got this crazy high walk rate, low strikeout rate. These are things that analytical teams should care about. A classic lottery ticket to be a star, I would say. Probably not going to be a star. But somewhat decent chance that he'll be starting for the Mariners somewhere in their lineup next year. That's pretty good. I'm pretty happy with it. All right, I'm going to end this podcast because I just heard my wife get home. And uh, not that I need to conceal what I'm doing. I just uh, want to go see my daughter. So thank you guys for listening. Follow me at the Casey McLean. You can support this podcast financially if you're silly enough to do that by going to anchor.fm. I think I'm going to maybe I'll reboot the old Patreon. I haven't really been doing much with it recently. Um, Thank you for listening. And uh, please come see me do stand up and I'll talk to you soon.